0: hello fellow innovators this is patrick emmons
1: and this is Shelley nelson
0: welcome to the innovation and the digital enterprise podcast where we interview successful visionaries and leaders giving you an insight into how they drive and support innovation within their organizations Today, we're welcoming Mohan Pucha to the show. Mohan is the Vice President of Enterprise Architecture and Technology Strategy at Aon. In this role, Mohan delivers advanced cloud-native solutions across analytics, APIs, and DevOps, and leads the technology architecture and service strategy across technology and business services. Prior to this role, Mohan led the IT separation of Baxalta from Baxter, helping create one of the most advanced technology platforms for the next generation of biotech. He has also held roles as Chief Technology Officer at the University of Chicago Medicine and Chief Architect at Allstate. Mohan earned his Bachelor of Science, Computer Science, and Engineering from the University of Pune in Pune, India, and an MBA in Finance and Information Systems from the University of Illinois. He's also on the board of P33 for Quantum Computing here in Chicago.
1: Welcome to the show, Mohan.
0: Thank you for having me.
1: Uh, If you don't mind, can you share with our listeners a little bit more about your role at Aon? Sure. Um, Fundamentally, my role is to scan ahead for technology trends in the marketplace and understand how they could be impacting our industry and how we would be taking advantage of them to deliver better service to our clients and to our colleagues. In this role, um, I lead a diverse group of about uh, of architects across the globe, um, across the US, India, and Australia. And we partner very closely with our business and technology partners to better understand how the various demands in the organization for technology-based innovation um, can be fulfilled with our existing capabilities or whether we have gaps in those capabilities that we need to close to deliver better service.
0: Very interesting. On the trend side, what are some of the interesting trends that you're seeing that maybe uh, have kind of picked up steam in the last nine to 12 months?
1: That's very interesting that you asked that question. Um, Very funnily, just before the pandemic, we set ourselves five different targets and objectives after having scanned the ecosystem. We said that we needed to be cloud smart, right? We looked at the ecosystem and said look at the end of the day we're going to see most of this innovation come from the cloud providers and to take advantage of them we have to figure out how to effectively and efficiently use cloud-based solutions. Second thing we said was we needed to be data first. Data used to be an afterthought as part of our solution delivery, now we're we said uh, and looking at where digitization is taking us and how data can help us better serve our clients. We're going to talk data before we talk solution. And the third thing we said we would do, and this was a little prescient, we said we were going to s- support any application on any device anywhere. Um, not realizing that we would have to do that almost immediately <laughs> because we made these declarations um, just before the pandemic hit and we all got sent home. And then the the next thing we said was we would build business platforms, not individual solutions, but business platforms that provide end-to-end service to our clients for each of our solution lines instead of the fragmented solution delivery we were doing today. And all of this was going to be in support of our fifth trend that we were going to attack, which was um, which I like to call zero to code in 10, but uh, it, became, it morphed into idea to launch in 10. And the big question was what was in 10, in 10 what? I said in 10 minutes, if it means getting you an environment to develop code in, you know, weeks, if it means launching a proof of concept and months, if it means getting, you know, um, um, an MVP to a client. So these five we established as our technology markers. These were our efficient destinations. We would never ever complete the work in these spaces. But if we were to ask ourselves for every solution we deployed, is this being cloud smart? Are we thinking about the data first? Is the solution going to work on any device anywhere? Right? Is this actually helping us build our business platforms versus another fragmented solution? And what have we done in the process of delivering these things to improve our agility? Hmm. Because our agility will improve through the delivery of solutions and the ongoing improvements using lean thinking, understanding how best to leverage technology. How are we contributing to idea to launch?
0: Very interesting. Uh, Moving in that direction, we're adapting as quickly as as this objective states right? 10 minutes, 10 weeks, 10 months. I know you'll have 10 days out. I might suggest (laughs) that could be a sprint. Right. And that could be a 10 spring. days, right? Just yeah. throwing in my contribution for what I, that's what I'm here for. Uh, but some of that long-term, like how do you, you're looking to engage the organization. You're trying to accelerate uh, innovation and change uh, product development adaptation. What are some of the things that you think need to happen for that to, to not just be a thing we say, but a thing we do? It's
1: a very good question. Let me start by delivering a proof point first, and then maybe taking you on a little bit of a journey as to how we got there. Awesome. Um, The subject in question is our data and analytics platform. And uh, we go to market with our proprietary data and analytics solutions to better serve our clients. Here's the proof point. Recently, one of our business sponsors gave us a quote, which was just amazing. He, He said, we were already in production three months after we had the idea. And I was thinking we were going to still iterate on requirements. So that was a proof point. Right? We delivered value to a client three months after we had the idea of doing something. And in this case, um, what we were trying to help our clients with was uh, very topical, it's pay equity analysis across genders and across races. A very, very important subject to the boardroom, but very difficult to do an analysis on data that you don't have. Mm-hmm. So we had to deliver that solution without getting the data into Aon. So how did we get there? Well, it's been a three-year journey on building these platforms. So it didn't happen overnight. We didn't just wake up and say, hey, this project is gonna get delivered in three months. How we went about doing this is we said, look, we're going to build platforms, both technical platforms and business platforms. Technical platforms support business platforms. And for the most part, we don't do well in delivering technical platforms because the approach we used to take was, let's find a use case let's deliver that use case. And then we can take the results of delivering that use case, the underlying technology platform, and then tell the rest of the organization, hey, look what we built, come and use it, right? Well, look, almost every one of those things delivers on the use case because you have executive support, you put the right team together, they work through their obstacles to deliver the use case and they deliver the end result. But the rest of the people that are being asked to use the platform, look at it and go, well, it doesn't do what I need it to do. It doesn't solve my problems. I know you just delivered on that solution, but how is this applicable to me? So instead we took a different approach. We said, when we start to build platforms, we're gonna look at the value stream. A platform doesn't live by itself. A platform needs administrators, developers, engineers, right? each one playing a role in building the platform and understanding how they contribute to the value stream as that platform gets used. So instead of starting with, hey, what technical components do we need to build this platform? We ask the question, what personas would be using this platform? So in the case of a data and analytics platform, the personas that use the platform, some of them are self-evident, data scientists, data engineers, business analysts, data analysts, those are sort of the surface level, right? These typically you'd go after them and say, okay, hey, what are your requirements? But we went deeper. We said, look, um, a platform needs a data administrator. It needs a systems administrator. It needs an engineer, a developer. What are their needs? And how can the platform as we build it remove friction from the work that these people need to do to keep the platform going. And we said the platform itself is a persona in this case. It has jobs it needs to do and obstacles it needs to help overcome. So every time we went and looked at the value stream and asked the question, hey, data administrator, what, or systems administrator, what do you think the platform should be able to do? Or what friction does it cause you? And they would give us a list of requirements. We would embed the solution to those requirements into the platform iteratively. So now what happens is each person in the platform sees themselves as a part of a value stream and they see their connection to the end product getting delivered. So there's friction in all these places, right? So what what a data engineer would say, these used to be called ETL developers. I'm learning the new terminology. They would say, hey, it's difficult for me to find the data. Once I find it, I don't know where to get the tools to go work on the data. Um, Do I have permission for it, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. That's their friction point. Mm -hmm. But they also deliver value to a data analyst. They integrate the data and they give it to the data analyst. The data analyst has friction too. I don't understand this data set you gave me. Well, we looked at all of those things and said the platform has to solve for that. The platform has to say what data sources are available, how to get access to them, how to automatically approve access through an embedded workflow. How do you deal with data quality issues? And when we started to solve for those things, people started coming to the platform in droves because it solved a problem for them. The data scientist problem was the, how do I get data in this vast organization of 50,000 people across countries? I don't even know where to start. So they would trade Excel documents, right? Which is the worst thing to do. We really don't (laughs) want the data on the PC. But as we started to seed our data platform with data sets, with the tools to work on those data sets and the workflows that eliminated friction, it started to attract people to the platform. And not only that, we established communities. So we established a community of data engineers, of data analysts in in our team spaces. And they were talking to each other on how to use the platform and what sucked about it. And we would pay attention to that. And every time we saw the, this thing sucks in the platform, we put that into our backlog. And so we're gonna go fix that with a small tech steering committee to tell us what to prioritize. In the course of three years, we added 700 um, users to the platform. They came to the platform. We didn't beg them to come, they came. They brought their money because we made this a subscription-based model. So after the initial seed funding, I didn't have to go for budget anymore. So we started charging a little bit more per user persona plus storage costs. And we recognize that as a profit, you know, fake money, if you will, because it's internal transfers. Mm -hmm. But what that would do for me is I could end the year at a certain run rate. I'd go, okay, I have, you know, 100K more than I spent, fake dollars. But next year, I will have 100K more than I'm spending. So I can use that 100K to invest in the platform we now have 60 plus customer-facing solutions on the platform. And that proof point, that last one was our most recent, we've been tracking how long does it take for people to do work? Mm. Time to value was our most important metric. And as we continue to work on shaving off the time to value, that's how we got to the result of saying, okay, you can have an idea and you can go to production within three months because we learned through the course of these three years that it wasn't just enough to get data and the tools. People want to deliver solutions. So they need a web hosting solution. They need pre-built components to be able to show Tableau dashboards or whatever else on the platform. All of those got built in or contributed, which led to the success of the platform. Now, if you went and asked a systems administrator, what are you contributing to the platform? They'll, They'll be able to articulately tell you I'm maintaining and managing this portion of the platform because 300 clients are using this platform and the data flows that I'm monitoring to improve the well being of their employee population. I've never heard that from a systems admin in my career until now.
0: <laughs>
1: right.
0: Yeah. No, I, it, that's impressive all onto itself. So, what does the future hold for that? What is your, what's your objectives? How are you going to keep growing it? How are you going to keep uh, keeping it as flexible?
1: Look, I think we did a lot of work on sort of the data and analytics portions of our ecosystems. In parallel, we've been working on the DevSecOps environments, cloud-based hub-and-spoke ecosystems where developers don't have to worry about building the infrastructure. They can just use the pipelines and build the code. And the third leg of the stool is machine learning operations, which is very different from just pure data and analytics or just DevOps. So the answer here, and we don't know the answer, but we're working towards the convergence of these three ecosystems to deliver quality database solutions that that depend on machine learning. I won't use the term AI, but depend on machine learning. You need data, you need developers, And you need pipelines that are built for machine learning to all converge at the point of interaction with the client. We have to do this in a secure way. We have to do this in an ethical way so that our algorithms aren't biased. That's the work ahead of us in this particular sphere, right? Now, but it doesn't happen by itself. I also need to support our colleagues to work from anywhere, which we had initially thought of as, hey, that would be a good idea too. Now we're living it, right? <laughs> we're not back in our offices. We don't know when we will be. Um, we can't deliver high powered machines to, to our colleagues at home all the time. The chip shortages made that practically impossible. So we're looking at cloud PCs to see mm-hmm. if we can move our workloads, our developer or our knowledge worker workloads to the cloud. Um, we're looking at, mass migrations of our on-prem private cloud stuff to public cloud to see if that would sort of help bend the curve on cost and agility. quite a few things sort of in place that we're looking into.
0: Very exciting. Um, What are some of the people impacts as this, from like an engagement standpoint or, you know, what are you seeing outside of the technology more around the, the teams and and how they're communicating and how they're they're collaborating. Is there any proof points that you've seen there?
1: Look, I, I I
0: think I mentioned that as
1: we developed our platforms, we sought to establish communities in teams where people could interact and collaborate. But beyond just those platforms and just beyond technology, I think we've seen, and I think this is true for every firm, the the locus of interaction has changed from being the water cooler, hey, what's up, and how can I sort of get something solved to um, constant 24 by 7 because we're a global company's teams calls, WebEx calls going on. In some ways, it has improved productivity in measurable ways, right? Um, Because commute times have been eliminated. People Mm -hmm. are working different hours, and they're working in a way that fits their schedule. And we're very, very flexible at Aon to enable our colleagues to sort of balance their work and their life, right? Um, so in those ways, things have been positive. In other ways, though, and this sort of veers off into the impacts of, you know, the lack of human, person-to-person interaction. I think it it does hurt well-being, mental health. The the Right. There's aspects there that I think we're seeing across the board and we're working to train our managers to detect signs of that kind of uh, mental health issues that people are having, especially when they have young kids at home. They're trying to balance, you know, being present at work while dealing with, you know, children, not mm-hmm. in school, especially this week in Chicago, as you know. No. <laughs> right. Um, But beyond that as well, I think uh, we're thinking through our digital, the digital experience our colleagues have. We never really thought that through carefully, right? We thought about colleague experience as the office, right? The colors, the coffee machines, the um, open workspaces. We invested heavily in those things and those are idling. Nobody's in the offices anywhere (laughs) using that. They're wonderfully collecting dust. (laughs) Yes. Um, And as we started to think through, well, what is that experience? Think about a colleague that joined us during the pandemic, interviewed on Zoom or WebEx, has never really personally interacted with anybody. Um, It's challenging for them. It's challenging for them to get their work done. They don't know where to go to order supplies or to get access to something. We used to think that our ServiceNow and other things worked well, but the truth is they worked well because you patted your pal Joe on the shoulder and asked the question, well, how do I get this done? And he'll point you to Sally, but Sally knows how to do all of this stuff. And, and it happened, right? You, you, you had personal interactions to get your work done. Mm-hmm. Unless you've been at the firm long enough, you don't have those and your experience could suffer as a result. I think it also contributes um, at large, not just for my firm. I think it contributes to retention, right? Because you could be working for anybody sitting in this chair. So why not, if you're not having a good experience, why not think about moving to another firm? So digital experience in the workplace is becoming more and more important for us. So we have actually task forces cross-functional business and technology, thinking through how could we improve our colleague experience in, in this, what will be a hybrid forever work environment.
0: So what do you see as your biggest challenges, right? We're at the starting out in 2022. Uh, I personally think it's gonna be a good year, uh, I think, the, but I'd love to know, like, what's your perspective? Uh, and what do you see as the biggest challenge for you to continue this path uh, that you're on? So look,
1: I think colleague engagement, I think, and and helping our colleagues see themselves as contributing to the firm and to society while working at this firm is going to be really, really important. Way more so than it used to be. Um, And I I don't wanna tread into political waters, so that's Mm -hmm. not the intent, right? The point is a lot of our colleagues, especially the ones that are newer to the workforce or not that many years into their roles, have a much wider perspective of what it means to work. And they would like to see themselves contributing to something while they're delivering on their um, outcomes. It's very, it used to be easier to get that connection going. It's harder now. So of course, with the great resignation, with, with the demand for technologists, we're going to see you know, retention issues, but that's, everybody's going to see them. We're not going to be unique in that. So the real question is, how do you differentiate yourself? How, right? what, is, what, what, what can Aon offer to our colleagues, both in terms of a workplace experience, as well as in a connection to the value they're delivering to our clients and to the societies we live and work in? And that's been a very, very big focus for us. Mm. Um, We've spent an enormous amount of time during the last year um, working through that and putting our leaders through roughly 10 hours of training each on how to react to this changing dynamic. What is the value proposition of Aon to its colleagues and to its clients? And that's led us to some very deep insights, which you'll start to see as Aeon pivots itself to deal with the risks in the emerging and changing landscape. But that said, I'm with you. I think 2022 is going to be a great year. I think we're going to see incredible stuff. I mean, I was just so pleased to see the James Webb Telescope, you know, successfully launch. I mean, that was right there a good omen. I think just great things are going to happen from here on. So just curious Mohan, with all the the work that you and the teams have done over the past year and all the training that your managers have um, embraced, is that changing kind of the profile that you're looking for
0: in new hires?
1: It's both. It's changing the profile that we are um, rewarding within the firm, a more united and more collaborative work culture where we are asking To ensure that the right people be at the table, not just by seniority, but to to get diversity of thought into the conversation, Mm. the idea being we have to reflect the society we operate in. And so when we are making decisions, when we're planning for Aon and for our clients, we have to reflect that diversity of thought in the people that are making those decisions. So we're rewarding for that within the firm. And we're also using that as a gauge to decide who do we want to be part of, whether they're new to the workforce or they're experienced. And you'll see that reflected in our executive committee as well with a very well-balanced diversity of gender as well as um, diversity of thought and backgrounds. And we're hoping to see that cascade through the organization by leading from the front right by making um sort of very the word escapes me but deliberate and visible decisions on who we place into very senior roles in the firm very purposeful i love it purposeful yes that's the word
0: Well, it sounds like uh, you've got an exciting year ahead. sounds like you got a lot of things that you 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 should be very proud of. Uh, It sounds like an exciting time at Aon, uh, you know, from what you're saying. So um, one of the things uh, from a leadership standpoint, we always try to focus on is, you know, and you mentioned the criticality of of training the next generation of leaders to handle these new challenges. What are some of the things that uh, you've done to prepare yourself uh, Shelly always likes to ask about mentors and people who have helped you with, with achieving this success that you have. Uh, I, I, is there other other things in addition to mentors that you think uh, would be meaningful for our listeners to, to, to know about like how you've gotten to where you've gotten to?
1: So look, of course, mentors were a very, very, very big part of my journey uh, to become a leader. Um, but it's also curiosity and the desire to to see change happen. So starting with mentors, and I've had many incredible mentors who have pushed me out of my comfort zone, made me uh, approach challenges with a different way of thinking about them. Asking, so, so teaching me how to ask the right questions, right, which is difficult. But along with that, I would say, and this is what I advise my mentees, be curious, ask questions, right? Um, Look beyond your job, look into the jobs that the people you're serving are doing and ask the questions. What causes pain for them in their day-to-day lives? What is, even if we can't solve it for them, just knowing it is important, it creates a relationship. Continuous learning. I know that this is this is something that, you know, we've talked about for decades and decades, especially as a technologist, you have to be continuously learning. You can't be doing the same job for 20 years in a row, right? Um, the world is changing very fast. But more importantly, if you look at the, you asked about the, 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 the workforce that's coming in the new graduates, right? whether they're coming into the business or into technology, they're all technologists. Mm-hmm. right? Absolutely. Gen X was the last analog generation. After that, they grew up digital. and even more so, and if you think about the the, the workforce that'll join us that will graduate during the pandemic, they they did this for years, right. Literally, <laughs> literally this, right. they learned this way, they interacted this way, they game this way, their expectations of what it means to work at a large corporation. I mean, they will be surprised at how analog we still are in many, many ways, mm-hmm. right? Uh, of course, Aon is much more digital than we were, but I, I think we have some investment to do. But also our clients' needs are changing. Right? They are much more comfortable now to get their information and their advice and their services digitally. What they would only expect in their personal lives, they're now expecting in their professional lives mm. right? And that's that's a pivot that a lot of companies and we talk about digitization. You have to look at it from the lens of the person you're serving. What do they want? And their expectations are changing dramatically.
0: Yeah. Could not agree more. Mm-hmm. Um, it is it's an exciting time. There's a lot of sub opportunities. I think it's yeah. the, the shortage of workforce does create the opportunity for upward mobility. I think that's part of the challenges we're all faced with as we're trying to appropriately staff our organizations is, um, but that acceleration also will create some rapid maturity, right. With, with some mistakes and collisions and, you know, all of that fun stuff. But uh, Mohan, I really appreciate you taking the time and sharing your wisdom and your experience and your vision uh, with our, with our audience. Uh, it's been an, uh, just a fantastic conversation. So thank you again. Oh, no, thank you,
1: Shelley and Patrick. It's uh, actually a very, very nice conversation. appreciate you inviting me to have this conversation and uh, thankful for all the work you're doing in sort of spreading the word on innovation and technology.
0: Awesome. Awesome. Thank you. We also wanted to thank you, our listeners. We really appreciate everyone taking the time to join us.
1: And if you'd like to receive new episodes as they're published, you can subscribe by visiting our website at dragonspears.com slash podcast, or find us on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.
0: This episode was sponsored by Dragon Spears and produced by Dante32.